Christ is risen. He is risen Praise the Lord. Welcome this morning to Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. My name is Jeff Birch, and I'm the pastor here at Lake Oconee. And whether you are in person with us or on the live stream, we are absolutely thrilled that you have chosen to worship with us this morning as we celebrate the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord of Savior, who has triumphed over death, triumphed over the grave. Friends, this truly is a celebration. If you are visiting with us for the first time, we are thrilled that you are here. We hope you got a visitor's bag when you came in, and we would like to invite all of you, whether you're visiting or a longtime member or regular attender, sign in on the friendship pad. Let us know that you're here. Pass them down. So this is really the week that if you are sitting at the end of an aisle, we're putting you to work. We need you to pass that down and have everyone sign in. Now, for those of you who were at the absolutely magnificent brunch, and I'll know who it was who were here. Yeah, absolutely. I will know exactly who it was that attended that brunch because you will be the ones falling asleep during my sermon. And I get it. Forgiveness is at the heart of Christianity. So there is no, and there was a reason I was careful. How bad an optic is it if the preacher falls asleep during the preacher's sermon? Just saying. But I want to thank Brent and Carol Johansson and the entire fellowship team for their work and for Chelsea Johnson who put together the marvelous children's activity. What a wonderful time. Let's give them a round of applause. Now, Chelsea's not quite finished because, and this, this detail is absolutely crucial, after the service, I say that because we have gift bags for the youth and for the children under age 18. I've already asked. I'm a little over 18. I thought because I know there are chocolate bunnies in there that I'm dying for. But after the service, you'll go out by the missions table. You know, the folks did an activity. They collected rocks that show the East that have been painted and that showcase the Easter message. Hallelujah, he is risen. It's absolutely phenomenal. I want to encourage you to go out and take a look at that after the service. And then for the young folks, pick up a bag. We are, you know, yes, we have free gifts for you. Highlights that the gospel is a free gift to you. We want you to get that. Chelsea will be manning that table. She'll be making sure people my age don't steal you know, I'm kind of like, permission, forgiveness, how, which way do you, but we want you to have one of those gift bags. Couple of quick announcements. Uh, this first call spring fashion show is coming up on May 3rd. Ladies, you're invited to this. This supports one of our missions, our local missions. Carol Johansson, you can see her in the narthex after the service to register and pay for your ticket. And as we emphasize missions, one of the big missions we do around here is Sheds of Hope. And Dick Forrester, you can contact him because this Thursday we're doing a youth build. And so we want to encourage you to participate in that. So those are some of the things that are going on uh, in the life of the church as we move forward. What a glorious day this is as we celebrate the resurrection. And so, folks, let's prepare our hearts. Jesus is alive. Jesus is here. Jesus is with us. We are here to worship him. As we hear the prelude, Let's focus our hearts and focus our minds on glorifying the living Christ.
You know what Jesus is saying? I can't do better than that. He is saying that is how you celebrate the glory of God. Exalted be Jesus. Our call to worship this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Father, thank you that you did everything necessary to secure our lives, our futures, our salvation. We receive the gift of Christ, and by the Holy Spirit, as new life has been birthed in us, we raise our hearts, our minds, our voices to sing praise to you. May you join us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we glorify and exalt you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It would not be Easter if we did not sing, Christ the Lord is risen today. We need to raise the roof with this great hymn. Let us stand and sing.
one sense, Easter is every Lord's Day because we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ each and every Lord's Day. So in a very real sense, part of me is really convicted that we don't worship like this all the time. And I think that ties into understanding some of the significance of the resurrection leading us to, in reality, confess our flaws. Be honest with God. Confess that although we've been raised with Christ, the resurrection is true, we still live in a fallen world. We still live in a world where even though Christ has won the victory, but we still live in the midst of decay and dying and death. We're waiting for that final victory to be consummated. The Apostle Paul wrote to a congregation, happened to be in the city of Asia Minor, known as Colossae, and he wrote this, and he's talking about some of the implications for the church, for our lives. And listen to this. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ. So in other words, we have been raised with Jesus already. We're experiencing resurrection power already. But then there's an implication. There's a command attached to that. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. I don't know about you, but I find that difficult. My mind too often goes to earthly things. My mind too often goes, did I preach a good sermon? How did they take to that? How did that go? How's everybody doing? What's happening? How am I? I wrestle with the things of the earth. We're called to seek the things that are above, Christ and his glory, and being what one writer said, a signpost of heaven to a watching world. That's our call. That's our vision. I want to invite you to take a few moments to confess your sins to the Lord, to come before him, knowing that in Christ you are forgiven. This is, an, this is to restore our enjoyment of him, restore fellowship with him. And in a few moments, we will, in unison together, confess this corporate prayer of confession. Let us pray. Let us pray together. Almighty God, you have raised Jesus from the grave and crowned him Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him or acknowledged his rule in our lives. We have gone along with the way of the world and failed to give him glory. Forgive us and raise us from sin that we may be your faithful people obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ, who rules the world and is head of the church, his body. Amen. Friends, if you are in Christ, 
I pronounce you now forgiven, and I encourage you to receive this assurance of pardon. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And here's your hope. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, by faith in him alone, you are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. Is he worthy? Absolutely. Let's stand and sing.
Jesus, who's the world's true Lord, communes with us, lives amongst us, walks amongst us, and dwells amongst us, and invites us to pour out our hearts in prayer. Let us together approach the throne of grace, praying the prayer he taught us to pray together, the Lord's Prayer, and then I will lead us in a time of prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we praise you for who you are. We praise you that You are our Father who rules and reigns from heaven. We praise you that you being our Father makes us brothers and sisters together, part of your beloved, part of your family, that we are community together, that together you dwell amongst us and you walk amongst us. Fill us with praise. Fill us with a sense of your glory that we would give thanks to you, Praise your holy name. Glorify you with all our hearts. And we do hallow and set apart your name. And Father, we recognize that in the life and in the death and in the resurrection and in the ascension of Jesus, that your kingdom has begun. It has been inaugurated. But yet we look around us and we still see war and we still see disease and we still see injustice, and we still see oppression, we still see physical problems, we still see relational problems. The world is not the way it ought to be. And so we look forward to your coming kingdom, the day when you will come to put everything to rights, the day when your kingdom will be consummated. And so we cry out, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And while we wait for the coming kingdom, the consummation of all things, for your new world, the new heavens and the new earth, we depend upon you for each and every day's daily bread. You bless us abundantly with our physical needs, but we pray for our spiritual needs. We pray for our relational needs. We pray, Father, Jesus is the bread of life, and we pray for every person here 
to have the bread of life, to receive Jesus and to have life in and through Jesus. So we ask that through Jesus you forgive us our debts. We acknowledge that we're broken people, that we're flawed people, that we live selfish lives. We're self-centered. We build our lives and our identities on things other than Jesus every day. And we need forgiveness. We need restoration. And we need help as we strive to live in a way that magnifies you. So we pray, lead us not into temptation. We pray that you would deliver us from evil and from the evil one who seeks to have us. We're dependent upon your grace every moment of every day. And Lord, we acknowledge that the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to you. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about this church. It's not about anything other than you. We want you to be glorified. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. May our hearts live for you. Lord, we pray all of these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.
a year ago, I was waiting at home. I had received a call to be your next pastor. So we were in that, it felt like the already not yet. It was kind of, we were in the in-between time. And so I was watching on the live stream and enjoying that, but it was probably the first Easter, ser- Easter that had gone by that I hadn't preached a sermon in I don't know how many years. So I'm a little bit up here today because I'm like, I'm getting to preach Easter again. I missed it. I feel like this is uh, what I'm called to do, and so I'm excited. I have a feeling this afternoon, you all just had that big brunch and you're feeling tired now. I have a feeling this afternoon the adrenaline's going to leave me. The crash and burn may not look pretty in terms of that. But I am really excited to be here with you this morning, to be able to share. This, this is the greatest privilege for a pastor. I mean, I'm humbled and overwhelmed to be able to proclaim what is the greatest news on the planet. That is that Jesus Christ has triumphed over the grave, defeated death. Our hope is secure if we are in him. The resurrection is true, and that means, friends, we have hope. Life is hard. Life is difficult. We go through a lot of stuff. A lot of you are going through a lot of stuff right now. But because of the resurrection, he holds on to you. And I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. If you have Bibles, iPads, Kindles, phones, Samsung, whatever device you use, the text that we're basing our teaching on this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. So no, I'm not preaching out of like Ecclesiastes this morning or something like that. Okay? You get this classic seminal text on the resurrection, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 to 58. And so I invite you to follow along. Let me pray, and then we will read the word of the Lord. Father, I pray that you will bless your word this morning. That, Father, in spite of the weakness of the messenger, that your word would go forth with your power, accomplishing what you set out for it to accomplish that it would transform and renew our lives. Give us ears to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death! Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not 
in vain. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. What is the greatest party you've ever been to? The greatest celebration you've ever attended? See, and we need to be honest, we love parties. In a way, we were built for parties, for celebration. And I say that because celebration is a part of worship. There is a reason Paul wrote to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord. And then he said, maybe you didn't hear me. I say it again, rejoice. See, we were built for celebration because we were created. We were built for worship. My favorite party that I ever attended of all time was my wedding reception. I mean, it was a blast. Food, drink, family. Have you noticed I'm an extrovert? I kind of like that kind of thing. It was amazing. I mean, Evie did such a tremendous job all planning this. I think I've told you this before. I asked, how may I, how can I help? I thought I was showing a good husband-to-be attitude. She said, just show up. I said, I can do that. But there were a couple of things that stood out to me. First of all, I remember having this silly little collection of batting helmets of all the major league baseball teams that during my college years I would wear around kind of as a silly little thing. Well, all of my friends and family, all of them decided that they would commandeer all my helmets and at one point, I don't know, some signal was given amongst them, I have no idea, but at one point they put them all on and they toasted Evie and I. And then, and I'm not sure I should share this little tidbit with you or not, you may or may not know this about my family, or, but my grandparents, they were professional dancers in New York City. So, and maybe this won't shock you, I grew up on stage with them, dancing with them. Age five, I was performing. I'm kind of used to this being up in front in terms of this. So for part of the reception, this is the part I don't know I want to share with you because you're going to ask if it can be done again, and I'm going to say, no, absolutely not. But for part of the reception, my grandmother and I did a soft shoe dance. Now, don't get your hopes up. That was a long time ago, many pounds ago. I wasn't very good then, and I would probably fall on my face now. But we had fun. It was all part of the celebration. Now, why do we love parties? Because they are a signpost of heaven in the midst of death all around us. In the midst of death and dying that we have reminders of every time you turn the TV on, you need signposts that tell you death does not get the final word, resurrection does. And when we share a meal together, when we feast together, when we finally come out of COVID and enjoy time together, we are giving each other signposts that says, Jesus wins, Jesus gets the victory, the resurrection gets the final word. Did you ever stop to think that Jesus' first miracle was done at a wedding? The wedding at Cana. And he waited to the very end of the party to bring out the best wine. Can you imagine if you went, out, went home early from that party? 
you were kicking yourself. And look through the Gospels. If you think I'm being irreverent, I am not. I dare you, look at the Gospels. Jesus was always going to parties. He was always hanging out with people. Matthew, the tax collector, what is the very first thing when Jesus says, come follow me? He takes them to his friends, his fellow heathens, his fellow tax collectors, and they hang out together and they throw a party. He was always feasting, hanging out together. Now, verse 57, talk about a celebration. This is what we are to celebrate. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means everything we're going through now, and we lament, and we're sad, and we cry, and we pour out our hearts. Death is real. But it doesn't get the final word because the victory is through Jesus Christ. One writer put it very well when he said, the resurrection is indeed the foundation for a renewed way of life in and for the world. But do we really understand the significance of the resurrection? Is it the foundation of your hope and of your life in and for the world? Let's work our way through this text asking three questions of this text. Why we need the resurrection, what is the result of the resurrection, and how does the resurrection change us? How will the resurrection impact us on Monday morning? Why we need it, what is the result, how does it change us? Look with me at the beginning of this text. Paul writes, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. Paul begins here in verse 50 summarizing the entirety of his argument when he says, I tell you this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. The resurrection must put on the imperishable, that which can't fade, that which can't decay, that which cannot die. Now, let's make sure we understand this, a very, very important point. When Paul says flesh and blood, he does not mean physicality. He is not saying the physical cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He's not referring to physical life here. Our future and our hope most definitely is a physical one. Just to give you proof right from the Bible, when Jesus was raised, what did he do? He had breakfast with his friends and followers. He took a walk on the road to Emmaus with others. I believe that's physical life. I mean, last week I got the privilege of my dream come true, coming to see the Masters. Can you imagine the Masters, that, that golf course glorified? That to me is absolutely amazing. But you know, I think we're going to run and jump and fly. That's why the creation right now is still growing. When it says what he's saying is life as it is now. This is what he means by flesh and blood. Life as it is now. Animated and empowered, governed by what he calls flesh and blood. Meaning this order of things that has chaos and turmoil and tumult and death 
all around it. That is not consistent. That cannot live or dwell with the rule and the reign and the kingdom of God. And so, as one writer, one commentator put it, he says, it's like somebody who is, so to speak, made of the wrong stuff, the imperishable. The perishable, excuse me. He says, right now, we are made of decaying, corruptible material. We need to be transformed into non-corruptible, undecaying material. Think about it this way. I don't know how many of you remember the movie, The Right Stuff. I think it was out in the 1980s or something. I know it's old, so bear with me. But it chronicles the story of the astronauts who were part of the Mercury space program. These were the days of Chuck Yeager breaking the sound barrier and the beginnings of the space program. They were actually very, very dangerous with the astronauts taking enormous risks. So as the description of the movie goes, these men were made of the right stuff. In a sense, we need to recognize, because this is what Paul is getting at, right now, as we are, we're made of the wrong stuff. And the wrong stuff doesn't mean physical. It means corruptible. It decays. It dies. It is prone to death. Which is why in verse 53, Paul says, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Do you know that's part of our hope? See, I'll go home tonight, and I'll go, ooh, I worked hard today. My knee is sore. Ooh, my back a little bit. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about, right? The perishable needs to put on the imperishable. This is why we need the resurrection. Next, with, look with me. What is the result of the resurrection? The result of the resurrection, and this is, this is why I was up here this morning. Oh, it's only the defeat of death. Victory over death. No small thing. What do you think? Verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sally Lloyd-Jones, in one of her writings, The Story of God's Love for You, writes, And it seemed to her that morning, as she ran, almost as if the whole world had been made anew. Almost as if the whole world was singing for joy. The trees, tiny sounds in the grass, the birds, her heart. Was God really making everything sad come untrue? Was he making even death come untrue? See, when we finally put on the right stuff, look at what happens. It is the fulfillment, finally, of God's long-promised triumph over the powers of sin and death. And what Paul is doing is he connects it with a couple of Old Testament verses where he alludes to them saying, here's the fulfillment of your story. Your story that didn't have an ending. Your story that you've been hearing and anticipating and aching for, here's its ending. So, for example, in Isaiah 25, he says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. You getting the idea that even in the Old Testament God liked eating? He liked feasts? Here's how he's depicting 
kingdom life. A feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And listen to this. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Does that not bring your heart hope? Some of us are going through excruciating things right now. Things not to be taken for granted. Things to cry and lament over. But here's the promise. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. And let me tell you something just in the way of application. When we get together, when we eat together, when we have a brunch like we did, when we worship together, when we do life together, when we hang out together, in the ordinary things, we are anticipating the final resurrection. It is a signpost that heaven is real and heaven is true. So let me give you a simple application. Open your homes. Have people over. Have great food and well-aged wine together. Enjoy company. Practice hospitality. We don't have to be super spiritual to be applying the message of the Bible. We can be together a signpost of heaven. And let me give you another application. Invite people who normally don't darken the door of the church, who maybe have their doubts, maybe a little skeptical, Maybe they've been hurt by the church. Take that hurt and that pain seriously. Listen to them. Hear their hearts. Take their questions seriously. Engage with them. We have been gifted in this area, so we have so many resources. Let's not use them on ourselves. Let's open our hearts and our homes to others. Then in verse 55, he cites from Hosea chapter 13, He says, I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol. I shall redeem them from death. O death, where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? Now, of course, this is so interesting because in the context of this from Hosea, you realize in Hosea, Hosea is pronouncing judgment. He is pronouncing judgment on the unfaithful people of God. And so look at what Paul does. He transforms this. He reworks this. And he turns the words into a taunt of death personified. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He is taunting death. He's daring it. It's now been rendered powerless by Christ's resurrection. I know this is weird, giving a Christmas illustration at Easter, but it reminds me, one of Evie's and I's favorite movies, we love to watch A Christmas Story. Anybody ever see that movie, Little Ralph? I love Little Ralphie and A Christmas Story. Now, do you remember the scene? Ralph and his friends are outside. I think it's recess. It's frigid. It's cold. It's a freezing day. And they're all by the flagpole outside. See where this is going? And, of course, what are they doing? They're taunting one of their friends to go ahead and lick the flagpole. You know why? Because they wanted to get his tongue stuck to the flagpole. The design here is they're taunting him. I dare you. I double-dog dare you. Do you know that's what Paul is doing here? He's taunting death. 
And if you want to know if this is true, if the resurrection is true, historically factual and accurate, the best argument is to take a look at Jesus' friends and followers, those disciples, a group of cowards that abandoned him while he was alive and then fearlessly proclaimed him after he was supposedly dead. What could make the difference? Only the resurrection. And so he's doing, here's Paul using Hosea's prophecy, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? How does that change us? Verse 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, don't you think I should probably end the sermon right there? That's thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes! Good job, Jeff. Wow! Amazing. Mic drop. Let's go home. Right? Wrong. It's not the end of the text. You would think it should be, but Paul introduces that little word, therefore, meaning he's going to say, yes, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In other words, here's the Jeff Birch paraphrase of verse 58. Since we have the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord, get up and get busy. We're not just whisked off to heaven. There is work to be done. Work to be done in the freedom with the pressure of knowing that no matter what you do, that if it's done fueled by the love of Christ, motivated by the love of Christ to the glory of God, somehow God is going to weave it together, work it together, and it will not be in vain. No matter what you do, offer that cup of coffee to somebody. Give them a smile and a hello at Publix. Open your heart and your home. The Lord will weave it all together. He says this has implications for your lives. First of all, it impacts our character. He says, be steadfast, be immovable. And our daily lives always abounding in the work of the Lord. With the promise, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. See, I, I think one of the things we struggle with, and, and I'm calling us to be a little honest here, I think a lot of us don't get busy and don't work because I think we, we feel like if we don't see visible fruit, we don't see the results, we don't see success, how will this go? Okay, there's the pastor, he's going off, he's telling me things like share the gospel, he's telling me things like evangelize. What if nobody comes to Christ? Uh, who wants to feel like a failure? Who wants to feel like I blew it again? We've got to take seriously this promise that our labor in the Lord doesn't say the results in the Lord. It says your labor, the very fact that you're doing it as an offering to the Lord. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God might tell you, he might not tell you all the ways he's working it out. 
but he is telling you that he will weave it together somehow in his new world, in the new heavens and the new earth. And I think that's part of the mystery. See, the resurrection matters for our mission in and for the world, our mission to make disciples. It challenges us to think what kind of disciples do we want to make. See, when verse 58 says, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain, he's saying, your work matters. God will not throw what we do now in the trash heap. It will somehow be woven into the new world. The resurrection is the foundation for our mission of making disciples. God has enlisted us in his work, his project of renewing all things. We don't build the kingdom. God is building his kingdom, but he's enlisted you and I to work and build for the kingdom. One commentator put it this way. He says, every act of love, every act of gratitude and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation, every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, every act of care and nurture, of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings, and for that matter, one's fellow non-human creatures. And of course, every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. All of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. With Easter... God's new creation is launched upon a surprising, surprised world, pointing ahead to the renewal, the redemption, the rebirth of the entire creation. Hear the message that every act of love, every deed done in Christ and by the Spirit, every work of true creativity, doing justice, making peace, healing families, resisting temptation, seeking and winning true freedom, is an earthly event in a long history of things that implement Jesus' own resurrection and anticipate the final new creation and act as signposts of hope, pointing back to the first and on to the second. Friends, your work matters. Let me close with this illustration, this story. I don't know if any of you heard of, have ever heard of a man by the name of Adolf Salfeld. Adolf Salfeld was a perfume salesman traveling with samples of his perfume, his product, to America in the hope of increasing sales. He happened to be traveling on the Titanic. I think we know what happened to the Titanic. And so, obviously, years later, searching for the rubbage, the artifacts off the Titanic, in the midst of the rubbage, they discovered some of Adolf Salfeld's perfume vials that happened to retain its fragrance. One man giving his testimony of this discovery says this. He says, when you discover stuff from the Titanic, Titanic, it is wet, it is rusty, it is rotten, it, a smell that comes off it that is perfectly alien, perfectly fetid, it is kind of a kind of death that you've never experienced. So unpleasant. And then all of a sudden, somebody opened this satchel, this leather satchel, and out comes the fragrance of
of heaven. It is all these flowers and fruity flavors. It is the most wonderful thing you've ever had. He says it's a completely overwhelming experience. For a few minutes, the ship was alive again. Friends, do you realize that is what we are to be? He goes on to say, that was the aroma of heaven in this overpowering stench of death. That's what we are to be in the world. The aroma of heaven overpowering the stench of death with every act of love, every act of gratitude, every act of kindness, from the Bible studies we teach to the smiles we offer to the lonely person. We are the, the church, and the church alone is the aroma of heaven overpowering the stench of death. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence here this morning. Lord, may we be free and creative in abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing, Father, that our labor in the Lord, regardless of what we think of it, we spend too much time judging our own work, evaluating our own work, rather than trusting the God who told us that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Help us to get busy. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I invite you to stand. Our closing hymn is hymn number 274, Thine Be the Glory. As we are singing this closing hymn, we would like to invite those of you who have ever sung the Hallelujah Chorus and feel comfortable making your way up to the choir loft to join the choir. Um, we will have the words on the screen, so if you're more comfortable remaining in your seat, please do so, um, but we will conclude today with a choral benediction of the Hallelujah Chorus. If you would like to join the choir, please come at any point during this hymn to join us.
friends, now receive the Lord's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.